0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today.
1: All right, take your Bible this morning. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. This is a subject, or should I say a sin, that I have not preached on now for a couple years according to my record, but something that we probably need to address much more frequently. I want to speak to you today on the subject of bitterness entitled the message, Bitterness or Forgiveness, it's really your choice of how you want to live out your life. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 17, I'll read through the end of the chapter. I know it's a lengthy passage of scripture. Boy, does it sound like the world in which we live. Verse 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in testifying the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles, referring to the unbeliever, as the Gentiles walk in the vanity, the emptiness of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, they're not saved people, from the life of God through the ignorance, they haven't heard the gospel. That is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Satan has blinded their minds lest they come to the light of the glorious gospel. Who being past feeling, defiled conscience, have given themselves over to lasciviousness, sexual immorality, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Does not that sound like the world in which we presently live? But, Christian, ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation that way that you used to live, that old man, that unregenerate man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's why you need to have your daily time with the Lord. That's why you need to be in church to hear the word of God preached and, and taught. For the renewing of the mind. That's why you need to meditate and memorize scripture. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which God has created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying. Let every man speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the Son... Go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Neither let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands a thing which is good, <clears throat> that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Thank God for eternal security. Now, our verse. But let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind. But we need more kindness in this world, don't we? Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Bitterness, or forgiveness. It's your choice. Heavenly Father, would you bless the preaching of your word today? We we thank you for the inspired, infallible, inerrant, authoritative, preserved word of God that we have in our possession. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Got a few questions for you. I always like to open my messages with questions just to get you to think a little bit, but are you always grumpy? Are you always grumpy? Do you walk around most of the time with like a chip on your shoulder and dare people to knock it off? There's a lot of people like that. Do you have the joy of the Lord in your life? Or does your appearance... Does it testify to what is truly in your heart? Are you always blaming others for your unhappiness? Is it always someone else's fault that you're feeling so down, discouraged, depressed? Do you try to escape your inward sadness through entertainment? through music, through gaming, through what I call social media venting? Does that describe you in any way? Let me ask you a few more questions. What was your response the last time that someone hurt your feelings? Did you have an urge to retaliate And get even with them for what they had done to you? Maybe you didn't take any action at that time, but bitterness began to seep down into your heart toward them. Do you ever find yourself, listen to me church, do you ever find yourself telling others of how deeply that person hurt you, offended you, and wounded you? Do you talk about them in a negative way? At home, at school, at work, at church, which is really an attempt to get others on your side and take up an offense against that person who's hurt you so deeply? Every time you think of that person, do you still get angry? If that person's name comes up in a conversation, Are you more prone to think something negative about them than you are positive? Do you find it hard to pray for them? Much less ask God to bless them? Is it hard for you to see their good qualities? Do you have, be honest, just this subtle secret desire to see them pay for what they've done? I hope God gets them deep down in your heart, is it true that you really wouldn't mind if something bad happened to them? Do you feel like, um, you know what, I just cannot thank God for that person? I just asked you a bunch of questions, didn't I? And I think those are soul-searching questions. And if you find any of those to be true in your life, you are more than just hurt. You're bitter. And that bitter spirit is doing tremendous damage to you. You may not realize how much damage that it's doing, but it's damaging you, and it's also damaging others who you are around. The Bible says in Hebrews twelve 15, you've heard me quote this verse many times, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God. Now I want you to understand something. God's grace is available to every single one of you here in this auditorium this morning to forgive those who have sinned against you. No matter how deeply you have been hurt wounded and offended, God will make His grace available to you. God's grace is God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. And in and of ourselves, we just cannot muster up that unconditional forgiveness. But God says He will give you grace to forgive if you really, really want to forgive that person. Looking diligently lest any man fail the grace of God. If we fail to appropriate that grace, then a root of bitterness, a root will spring up and it will trouble you. But notice this, and thereby defile many others. Failure to forgive is really devastating. It's self inflicted punishment. It's a destructive pit into which many have fallen and have never been able to climb out. Some of you here today are in that pit of bitterness. Some of you here today have been there for a long time. Others of you have been there, but praise God, you reached up and you grabbed a hold of His grace and that grace pulled you out. Give me an Amen. Amen. As we journey through this life, and this life is likened unto a journey throughout Scripture. Some of you have just started that journey. Others of you are at the end. Some of you are in between. But life is a journey. And as we journey through this life offenses are going to come. Right? It's, um, it's unavoidable. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus, Matthew 18, verse 7, Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. It is going to happen. Nobody who lives in this world is going to escape it because the world is full of offenses. And then Jesus says, But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. May we never be the one causing the offense. We will be receiving offenses, but may we never be the person causing it. Now take your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 18. That was verse 7. And now I want you to look with me at verse 21 through verse 35. Right after Jesus talked about these offenses coming. He deals with the issue of forgiving those who have trespassed or who have offended us and hurt us. Then in verse 21, Peter asked him a question. Are you there? Say amen. amen. All right. I want you to see this. Matthew 18, verse 21, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often? Remember, Jesus is dealing with the issue of forgiveness. How oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times? That talks about being quite generous. Seven, the number of perfection, completeness. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but say that phrase with me, but until seventy times seven. Now Jesus tells this parable. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now I've never in all my years of preaching, and even preaching through this passage of scripture, I've never stopped to figure out how much 10,000 talents were. So I thought, you know, I'm going to do that today. How much did this guy really owe his Lord? Well, a talent is 750 ounces of silver. Got it? 750 ounces of silver is a talent. Times that by 10,000. Do you want to figure out how much that is right now? Well good we got some mathematicians here. That's 7.5 million ounces of silver. That's a lot of silver. It's a lot of talents. Silver is going right now for about $15 an ounce. So how much did this guy owe his master? A lot, okay. <laughs> almost a hundred and thirteen million dollars. Wow. But for as much as he had not to pay, I understand that, his Lord commanded him to be sold his wife and his children and all that he had and payment be made. Was his Lord ever going to get that amount of money out of this guy? No. So into prison he goes. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. He must have had a good job. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. That's that's an incredible amount of forgiveness right there. I remember when we paid our house off. Wow, that was a good feeling. How many remember paying their house off? How many remember paying a car off? Doesn't that feel good to get out from underneath that debt load? Here's a man that's just been almost 113 million dollars he's been forgiven. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. So I thought, you know, I better figure out how much that is. And he laid hold of him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest me. Now how much was a hundred pence? A pence is worth $1.50. Times that by a hundred, how much do we have? 150 dollars. Now wait just a minute. Here this man has been forgiven almost $113 million and he finds someone who owes him 150 and he's choking him by the neck and shaking him and say, pay me everything that you owe me. Can I say something to you? What a jerk. Huh? And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not but went and cast him into prison. What would have happened to him till he should pay the debt? So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Verse 32, Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all the debt because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now here is a fascinating verse. Are you all still with me? Verse 35, so likewise... Here's the application of the parable. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. No matter what they have done, if you do not forgive them, Jesus said you are going to be locked up in a prison of an unforgiving spirit and in that prison you are going to be tormented until you learn to forgive. How true that that is. The apostle Paul wrote these words that we've just read, be kind one to another, be tender hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, that unconditional forgiveness of God through Christ, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. Now that sounds pretty simple, right? No matter what someone has done to you, I can't hear you. No matter what someone has done to you, what? Forgive Forgive them. That sounds simple. But both you and I know that unconditional forgiveness is not as simple as it sounds. It is very, very difficult to forgive someone who has hurt you, and especially someone who has hurt you deeply. Someone who has committed an offense against you, whether it be by something that they said or something that they did, to forgive them can be extremely, extremely difficult. I'm going to tell you today how to do it. Our enemy, the devil well, I can't wait to see him cast into the lake of fire. But, oh, enemy the devil, he's going to jump on offenses. When you're hurt and wounded and offended, he's going to jump all over that. He sees that as an opportunity to entice you, to become angry, to become bitter, to become resentful, and, yes, take revenge. We have to avoid, Christian, falling into the enemy's pit of bitterness. We have to choose forgiveness following the personal example of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man, if any man hath a quarrel, how many of you have ever been in a quarrel with someone? Come on, we all have. If any man hath a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. I'm so thankful for the unconditional love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness of our Almighty God. I didn't deserve to be forgiven, but He forgave me anyway. Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. Jesus taught his disciples, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Love your who? Seriously? Wouldn't you like to have a little bit more of this in Washington? Wouldn't you like to have a little bit more of this in our inner cities? Wouldn't you like to have a little bit more of this in our churches? Wouldn't it be awesome to have a little bit more of this in our homes? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully, that means are cruel and mean to you, despitefully use you and persecute you. I'm like, man, I've heard that verse my entire life. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to park on that. And I'm just going to meditate on this verse throughout this week. Love my enemies. What kind of love is he talking about? He's talking about that 1 Corinthians 13 love that is a self-sacrificing love, a love that's, Focused on the needs of others and not a self-focused, self-interest love. But one that sees a need and meets that need. Love your enemies. You see a need in your enemy's life? Meet that need out of love. That goes contrary to my flesh. I don't know about yours. Then he says, bless. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Have any of you ever had someone curse at you? Raise your hand, had someone curse at you? <laughs> People are cursing at you, what do you do? You speak back a blessing to them. Melanie, stop laughing up here. love them. They curse you, you bless them. According to Strong's exhaustive concordance, it says the word bless means to speak well of them, to thank them, and to invoke a benediction of prosperity upon them. I tell you, that's not the way that Pastor White usually responds to his enemies. Loving them, hard to do. Blessing them for cursing you, almost impossible. And when I thought of that, I remember a priestly blessing that I had read. Years ago, so I, ha- I had to look it up. It's in the Old Testament there in Numbers chapter 6. And this was a blessing that the priest would recite. You've heard it. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The word keep means guard, protect, compass you about with safety. Now who are you pronouncing this on? Those who are your enemies and those who are cursing you to your face. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance. Countenance. Look upon you in a favorable way. Lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Give you wholeness and health and security and serenity and well-being and Harmony and the absence of stress and disturbance and tension and conflict. That's not what we do to our enemies who curse us. But this is exactly what God calls us to do. Our words have great influence. In the lives of those that we speak them to. Our words can bring hope and encouragement. The Bible says death and life are in the power of this tongue right here. I can either build someone up or I can tear them down. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. My dad used to raise bees. As a little boy, he'd harvest the honey and he'd give me some of the honeycomb to chew on. The Bible says it is sweet to the soul. It certainly was. And it says it's health to the bones. There's something healthy to the bones. I'm not a doctor, scientist, I I don't know. But God says, you eat honey, it's good for your bones. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. But a good word maketh it glad. Our words have great influence. Our words have power to turn men's hearts. You have an enemy, you love them. You have an enemy who curses you, you bless them. Then it says that we are to not only love and bless, but we are to do good to them that hate you. Have any of you here ever had someone hate you? I have. I have. I've never been able to understand it. But I have. I've had people that absolutely hate me. So I thought, what does the Bible mean when it tells us to do good? Well I thought, perfect example of that is Jesus. He went about doing, church, come on, He went about doing good. So I thought, well what did He go about doing? teaching, healing, feeding, and comforting people. Well, is he not our example that we should follow in his steps? So as the followers of Christ, we need to see others' needs and meet those needs even if they hate us. Paul said, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Not just to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but even to our enemies. So he says we're to love them. We are to bless them. We are to do good to them. And what's the last one he tells us to do? Pray for them. Pray for those who are mean to you and despitefully use you. They may persecute you, they may abuse you, they may hate you, they may curse you, but you're to pray for them. Jesus, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. I like that verse. Stop right there. Uh, The verse doesn't stop there. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Are these hard sayings, difficult teachings? But God will make his grace available to us if we want it to do that which we cannot do in and of ourselves. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Give me an amen if you're there. Amen. Let's listen to what Peter taught his readers who are undergoing unbelievable persecution and mistreatment for their faith. 1 Peter 2, verse 12, "'Having your conversation, the way you live your life, honest among the Gentiles, the unbelievers, That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your, oh, what? Good works. Which they behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or the governors as them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with, what? Well doing, You may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, not using your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness. Don't be that way. But as a servants of God, honor all men, even your enemies, even those that curse you and and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the fraud or to the offensive. For this is thankworthy, a man for conscience toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it, when you are buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently. but when you do well and suffer for it and take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For here and were you called because Christ also suffered for us. Leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Now, how did Christ respond? Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But he committed himself to him that judges righteously. He was able to turn the whole thing over to God. You know what? We need to turn all those offenses and all those hurts over to God. What was Christ's example? He endured grief. He endured it. He accepted suffering wrongfully. He was patient towards those who sinned against him. He did not retaliate. He did not spew out guile. He did not revile. He did not threaten, but he committed himself to God. Leaving us an example that we should do the very same thing. What did Peter say to his readers? Lay aside all malice, guile, and evil speaking. Don't do it. Do good towards those who do evil towards you. Do not speak evil against them when they speak evil against you. Do not become malicious towards them, even though they are malicious towards you. Have a testimony of well-doing towards those who mistreat you and take advantage of you. And when they dishonor you, what? Honor them. Now go over to chapter 5. Following up on all that Peter has just said about forgiveness, listen to his concluding words. First Peter chapter five, verse seven. Casting all your care upon him, turn it over to God, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is going to jump all over this. He's a roaring lion walking walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Devour you with what? Bitterness and an unforgiving spirit. Whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. There are offenses in this world, Jesus said. But the God of all what? What? There's that grace word again. In the face of all this mistreatment and abuse. Here comes God's grace. But the God of all grace who has called you unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that you have suffered a while. He'll make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And amen. Whose glory is at stake when we do not respond correctly to our enemies? To those who curse us. To those who abuse us. Take advantage of us. Persecute us. And say all kinds of nasty things about us. It's God's reputation that suffers. So many scriptural principles need to be understood. And when you stand praying, forgive. You know why? Because if we have an unforgiving spirit, God does not hear our prayers. That's what the Bible teaches. So think about all those weeks and months and years that you've been bitter and you've tried to pray. When you stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Cut it, slice it, dice it, try to interpret it away. It is exactly what it says. He will not hear us and He will not forgive us. You wicked servant. The debt that he forgave us of? That huge, multi-million dollar sin debt that he forgave us of and we could not forgive those who sin against us? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Really? Is that really how you want to pray? Please forgive me like I forgive others. When ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any. If thy brother trespass against thee, forgive him. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. If you want to understand unforgiveness, I think first of all, we need to know what forgiveness is. And as you look at what forgiveness really is biblically, forgiveness is a willingness to give up your resentment towards someone who has wronged you, regardless of how serious or painful that wrong was. You're giving it up. You're renouncing your desire to get even and see that person hurt. You give up resentment toward the wrong that was done to you. You give up resentment toward the wrongdoer. And you give up your plans for retaliation. I'm not going there. And when we make that decision, you know what God does? He pours upon us His grace to do it. Forgiveness is more than just saying the words, it has to come from the heart. I know all those things that the Lord has told us to do are very difficult, if not impossible. But listen to what God's Word says. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, is it His will that we forgive? Yes or no? Anyone and everyone, no matter what they've done to us, If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he heareth us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. And what that tells me to do is say, God, I can't forgive them. I can't love them. I can't bless them. I cannot do good to them. I cannot pray for them. God, will you give me a forgiving heart? Forgiveness means that you fully release your fender from what you think is the debt that he owes you. No, he's in debt to me. He's going to pay me back. Let it go. Amen, church? Amen. Let it go. Don't hold him in debt to you. Amen. Forgiveness means that you clear his record. How many remember the old chalkboard? I remember, I'm old enough to remember we had a chalkboard and then, I mean, we really bumped up in technology. We had a dry eraser board. All of their offenses, wipe them out. If you have to write it on a chalkboard if you have to type it out on your computer and then hit delete clear their record forgiveness means that you will never ever bring up that offense against them or to anyone else anymore it's done and their sin and their iniquity I will remember remember no more Forgive as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. Unforgiveness is just the opposite of forgiveness. Unforgiveness says, no, I am going to be resentful for the wrong. I am going to be resentful toward the wrongdoer. And when I have opportunity, I am going to get even. You know what happens? You get locked up in that prison. And that is a place where you will be tormented. (sighs) Paul associates unforgiveness with bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. When you really stop and think about it, it makes no sense that we would choose to be bitter. Instead of forgive. Right, church? Makes no sense. Why would we inflict ourselves with such pain and imprisonment? I believe that very few people realize the terrible effects of bitterness and an unforgiving spirit. The consequences are great. Our prayers go unanswered. Our worship is rejected. Our witnessing is affected. Our giving is affected. Our overall spiritual growth is terribly weakened by a bitter heart. Our desire to be in church and sit under the preaching of the word it has gone. We no longer have a desire to pick up our Bibles and have our quiet time with the Lord. Our joy and happiness in life is lost. We're weighted down with this resentment. And it affects us physically as well. I thought, you know, I'm I'm going to do a little bit of research here. So I just quickly went online and I researched the effects of bitterness. An article, are you still here? Article after article after article written by the medical community says this. Bitterness weakens the immune system. Does God not know what he's talking about? Do you want to be free? Do you want to be let out of prison? Do you want your joy back? (laughs) Take this message seriously. Accept responsibility for your bitterness. I have sinned. Acknowledge and confess it to God. Be honest with Him. Lay your anger and your bitterness at the altar. Ask God to forgive you, and he will. After you have received God's forgiveness, begin praying for that person that you've been so bitter toward. And as you have opportunity, and God will give you that opportunity, believe me, purpose that you're going to do good to them. That you're going to bless them. If you know that there's a person that is aware of your bitterness toward them, humble yourself and go to them and ask forgiveness. If you've been bitter towards a person and they have no idea that you are, you don't need to tell them. I have no idea that any of you right here, I'm looking out, I don't have any idea that any of you are bitter toward me. But if you are, don't come tell me. Are you with me? I don't need to know. That's between you and God. You haven't haven't hurt me. But if you have, if you've hurt this preacher and this preacher knows it, you need to get things right with your preacher, you need to get things right with your wife, you need to get things right with your husband. You need to do things right with your children. And once the slate is all clear, say, I refuse, absolutely refuse to ever pick that bitterness back up again. I'm not going there. It's your choice. Bitterness or forgiveness.
0: You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you.